Amen. Can we give the Lord praise once again? Thank you, Jesus. Just turn around and say something nice to somebody like it's good to see you today. So here's my humor. It's going to come up on the screen. I hope that my humor comes up on the screen. Is it up there? When pastor says, bring your problem to the altar. (laughs) For those of you that can't see the screen and you're going to listen to this on podcast, it's just a young man in the middle of the field and his wife's over his shoulder. He's got his right hand over the back of her legs. And uh, that's his problem. And he's going to bring it to the altar. If you're not married, you don't have a clue. If you are married, you got a big clue. Right? I want to talk to you out of my heart from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as always, I'm very honest with you. I'm very transparent with you because what I've learned is I want to take my pain and use it for your gain. Here recently, I've been going through some things and I've been dealing with some resentment. And I'm not hearing a lot of messages on this, so I'm going to tell you in all honesty today, this is the absolute truth. I'm glad you're here, but I'm preaching to me today. And if it helps you, that's a bonus. But I'm just going to preach to me today. And I hope that it helps you. I see our good friends, Mike, Morgan. We're glad to have you today. Thank you for being with us. I want to talk about getting rid of resentment. And I pray that you will, that your spirit will be open to what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today. Father, thank you for being so gracious to us. Your spirit is here. We know it's here. Now that we are here in our bodies, help us to be here in our mind and in our spirit and let us receive from your word so that we can continue, Lord, this journey in life. Lord, not just existing, but truly living through the principles of your word. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just a fact of life that people hurt us. And that we hurt people. I'm going to say it again. It's just a fact of life that people hurt us and we hurt people. And how we learn to deal with that hurt really determines a lot about our happiness in life. Because here's what I've learned. I have learned that when you have been hurt, 
When you have felt resentment, that resentment can turn to hurt. And if you're not careful, that hurt can turn to hate. Now, I've been in ministry. I've had the great privilege to have been in ministry for 30 years. I've heard a lot in 30 years. People say things like, you know, I just. I just don't love my husband like I used to. Or I just don't have feelings for my wife like I used to. Or I'm just dead inside. What is wrong? Not every time, but most times the reason why they are saying that is because there's resentment. Here's what I've learned. Resentment is the destroyer of relationships. I'm going to say it again. Resentment is the destroyer of relationships. See, resentment eats up our energy. So much so that we just feel like we're dying inside and that we don't have anything else to give. Now, the good news is this, brothers and sisters. We can recover from resentment and hurts in this life. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. This is the NIV version. It says this, it referring to love. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Check this out. Love keeps no records of wrongs. I need some time this morning. Would y'all give me? We talk about, we talk about, you know, the difficulty in, in living out a standard. Let me tell you, it ain't hard to live out a standard. It's hard to do this right here. That's what it's hard to do. That love keeps no records of wrongs. You know how I know this Bible wasn't written by a man? Because man would have never put in there. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. If you would have wrote the Bible, you would have said, if man slaps you on one cheek, knock his head off. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk about a man that had every right to be resentful. He was the wealthiest man in his day. And the Bible tells us that in one day's time, he lost all of his kids. He lost his house. He lost all of his cattle, all of his sheep, all of his oxen. Everything that the man had, he lost it. Not only that, but the scripture bears out that he most likely had boils all over his body or an incurable disease. And then to top it off, he has his three friends show up and they don't they don't sympathize with him. They don't encourage him. His three friends look at him and say, you know what? If you wouldn't have sinned and done something wrong, you wouldn't be facing all of this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we sit here in a very comfortable room, and this is a story we've heard a lot, but let's bring it down. 
If you heard today that your two kids were killed in a car accident. And then you drive to your house and when you get to your house, your house is burned down and it's nothing but ashes. And then when you look out, because you own a little property and you look out and you've got a few horses and about 32 head of cow and somebody came by and shot all of them just for fun because they know the way you vote and they don't like the way you vote. And then all of us, all of us show up at your house because we've heard what's happened. And instead of bringing you food and sympathizing with you, we look at you in the face and says, man, you've done something terribly wrong. You've sinned because the only way this has happened to you is because you've done something wrong. Now, we can read this story and say we've heard this story a thousand times, but I'm going to tell you something. You put yourself in this man's place and see how you would feel. And then your wife turn around and say, you know what? You might as well just put a gun up to your head and blow your brains out, curse God and die because you're a bad man. Now, this man had every right to be resentful. Every reason to be resentful. And what I want to do is I want to first of all show you the three causes of being resentful. Number one, it's what people say about us can cause you to be resentful. I know you learned this in school that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm going to tell you that's a lie. Some of you still remember what that bully said to you in third grade. Words that people say hurt us. And they can cause resentment toward us. Would you turn me down a little, please? Here's the next thing that can cause us hurt is what people think about us. This is the reason why that I don't like religion. Because religion is judgmental. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I have walked into a church and before they ever said, hi, we're happy to have you. They looked at my feet and they went all the way up to my hair and they made a judgment call based off of what they saw. And if they didn't like what they saw, they wasn't even courteous enough just to say hello. They didn't even fake it. They just turned around, kind of put their nose up. Like, what are you even doing in this church? I have a hard time with that, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because all of a sudden you just felt rejected and judged by a person that don't even know you based off of just how you look. I I have a problem with that. Should we all be modest? Sure, because we're representing Christ. But don't make judgments based off of what you see with your eyes because only God can see the heart. And you know what it's like to be judged by others, so don't do it. Let it stop right here because people don't have to say anything for you to feel judged. Some of you had parents that never, never uh, just agreed with you. It was a very difficult situation that breeds a lot of hurt. But here's what I've learned. You just have to understand that nine times out of ten, people pass on the hurt that was passed on to them. But this room, we got to be willing to be different and break it and say we're not going to be 
We're not going to be captured by the spirit of resentment. And we are going to break the chain. And we're not going to pass on any longer the hurt that was passed on to us. Because God has got greater things in store for every one of us. Here's the third cause for resentment. What people do to us. And the number one place where resentment shows up is not at work. It's in your family. See, in order to be a good Judas, you got to get up close. Okay, I'm gonna, like I tell you, I'm always honest with you. So this may be a little raw. I hope you can handle it. But if you're driving, And somebody, you know, gives you the high sign. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to show you. You got, you know. You know what you say? You you just probably say, well, they're just a moron. And you go on about your day. But I'm going to tell you something. If you have a knockdown drag out with your family or your wife or your kids and they give you that sign as they're slamming out the door, it's a totally different situation. Because nobody can hurt you like your family. Nobody can hurt you like an authority figure, a parent or a pastor or a priest or somebody that you have a lot of confidence in. And listen, you know, for the man you don't know, they cuss you out. That's no big deal. But your spouse or your kids cuss you out. That is a big deal. And if you and I are not careful and we don't learn how to deal with resentment, it can get into our hearts and eat us up. Here's what Ecclesiastes 7 and 9 says. It's foolish To harbor a grudge. You say, Pastor, why is it foolish? Because you can't do anything about the past. Unless you got a time machine that none of us know about, you can't go into yesterday and change it. And when you're holding on to a grudge, listen, no matter how much you resent it, you can't change what happened yesterday. How many of you have ever seen somebody do really something stupid trying to get revenge on somebody else? I'm going to tell you what it's like. Here's what it's like. It's like taking a loaded shotgun, pointing it at yourself, pulling the trigger, and hoping the recoil is going to hurt the person. You know who it's hurting? You. It's eating you up inside. Are y'all with me? Here's what Job 18 and 4 says. You're only hurting yourself with your anger. I read a statement that said this. Resentment is hell in the heart. Resentment is hell in the heart. The most miserable people that you will ever meet are people full of resentment. Look at Job 21. Some men stay healthy till the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitterness in their hearts. Here's what I've learned. You can't be resentful and be happy at the same time. You say, 
Why shouldn't I hold a grudge, Pastor? Because it's unhealthy. People say all the time, you better watch what you eat. And I agree with that. The old adage is you eat breakfast like a king. You eat lunch like a prince. You eat dinner like a pauper. I agree with that. I don't drink. I try not to drink caffeine after six o'clock. I try to watch what I eat. I agree with all that. Eating healthy is good. But I'm going to tell you a step above that is what's eating on you. Because it's not so much that burrito that you ate with jalapenos that's messing you up. It's what's eating on you because you're not letting it go. Because the old adage is, oh, I don't get mad. I just get even. Somebody said to me, they got hurt and they said to me just the other day, well, they're dead to me and they're a Christian. Well, they're dead to me. I'm going to tell you something. That is not how Christ thinks about it. According to 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no records of wrongs. Do you understand that the reason why God can put up with all of our foolishness is because He doesn't see us through our faults. He doesn't log and keep the score. Oh, they sinned today, then they sinned Wednesday, then they sinned Friday. Boop, you're out. You better be glad God don't operate like you do and we do because I'm going to tell you, if He did, none of us would be alive. We would all be consumed. Are y'all with me? I've done, a, I've done numerous studies and read numerous studies about doctors will say, doctors will say this, that many people that are in the hospital, that if they got emotionally healthy, their physical problems would take care of itself. Now I'm going to just tell you a story. It comes from a very reliable source. You can make up in your mind if you think it's true or not. There was a lady, she went through a horrendous divorce. It was bitter, it was ugly. And during her divorce, it was so stressful on her that she lost sight in one of her eyes. She started going to the doctors and she went to numerous doctors and the doctors just told her, we can't help you. We don't think that we can restore your sight. You'll have to probably live with this the rest of your life. Just so happens that she went to a service and the pastor was preaching a message on resentment. And at the end of that message, he invited people to just come to the altar and leave it at the altar. I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to just tell you something that I've been praying and I believe it's biblical. I believe that when you pray, God melt my heart, you're actually praying a biblical prayer. See, when fire touches wood, hay or stubble, it reduces it to ashes. There's nothing left. But when fire touches precious metals, it doesn't reduce it to ashes. It melts it down so it can be used for purpose. I believe that all of us here this morning should probably ask God, God, would you melt my heart of all resentment and hurt and bitterness so that what comes through is what is valuable and can be used for your purposes? That's what this lady did in the story. She came down, she prayed, and she said, God, I want to give you all the resentment that is in my heart toward this man. I just simply want to leave it at the cross. And she prayed. And the story goes that when she got up and she walked out to the patio to thank the pastor, then guess what? Her sight was restored. I'll let you decide if that's true or not. 
Here's what I'm saying. We have no idea what we are doing to ourselves physically when we hold on to a grudge. Resentment ruins relationships and it destroys you. Here's what Proverbs 17 says. A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up your life. There's eight reasons that that laughter is good. I don't have time to get into it, but I will tell you this. The Bible says that laughter is a good medicine and it has no negative side effects. Because everything I'm seeing on TV, it says take this pill and for the next five minutes, they tell you how your brains are going to fall out. How your leg is going to fall off. How you're going to go blind in one eye. Because there's all these negative side effects. But when you get laughter in your heart, it's a medicine that starts healing you. Because you start releasing people. Because guess what? You can't control them anyway. Can I tell some of you, you're holding on to some things. And guess what? They're out there today. They're on the golf course. And when they get done at the golf course, they're going to they're going they're gonna grill them some steaks. They're going to put on some music and they're going to do the salsa, you know, and they're, they're all happy and excited. And you're going to leave church with a grudge and bitterness. And they're out there having a good time. And you're being eaten up inside by people that aren't even thinking about you. Come on, somebody. And it's drying up your spirit. I'm going to tell you, it grieves my spirit. It grieves my heart when I come into church and Pentecostals have long faces and no joy. There's not an excitement in their life because we haven't learned how to handle life and release grudges and release resentment and release hurt. We hang on to it. Can I keep preaching? Okay, I've told you about the causes. Now what are the cures? Here's what Job did. Here are the three cures that Job did to take his life and make it the best of his life. Number one is reveal your hurt. Again, I don't ever want to get awkward with you, but I just want to get very honest. I'm dealing with something in my own life. And I had one of my closest friends. He showed up the other day. And... I think he got to my house um, or the church probably around two. And he didn't leave my house till probably about nine that night. And most of the day, I just vented. Because I'm mad. I'm not mad at you. It has nothing to do with you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. It's It's a group of men that I feel are determining God's will for my life, and I think they're very wrong. So now it doesn't matter what they do, it matters what I do. Because I don't have control over a lot of things, but one thing I do have control over, and that is my attitude. I can choose to get bitter or I can choose to get better. I can choose to let resentment start eating on me or I can do what I'm telling you to do. And the first thing you need to do is you need to reveal it. You need to own up to it. You need to get honest. They hurt me. I don't like it. I don't approve of it. 
Quit trying to sweep it under the rug and act like you're Superman and I can take it on the chin and keep going. You need to reveal your hurt. And you know what I did? I just revealed my hurt. And this pastor didn't have cute answers for me. He didn't solve my problems. You know what he did? He just listened. Here's what Job 7 and 1 says. I can't be quiet. I'm angry and I'm bitter and I have to speak. I got to get it out. Here's what Job 10 and 1 says. Listen to my bitter complaint. God, don't condemn me. And God, and Job just goes off on God. He says, God, this ain't fair. I'm ticked off. I am angry at you. This situation stinks. And he tells God, and here's what happened is if you read the story, God hit him with a lightning bolt and killed him. If you read your Bible, you know what I just said is not true. That's what we would have done. That's not what God does. God didn't take a lightning bolt and say, well, who do you think you are? You little. I'll show you who's God. You know what he wanted? He wanted Job to do that. God made you with emotions. You're made in the image of God. Here's You do two things with your emotions. You either suppress it or you confess it. Most of us suppress it. God wants us to confess it. God knew what was going on. You think God scratched his head and said, huh, I wonder how Job's feeling today. Here's what I've learned. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. I'm going to say that again. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. Some of you are angry at God if you would get honest. You just don't get honest. You don't want to hear yourself say it. But if you got honest, I got so mad at God when my mom passed away at 57 with bone cancer. I told God off. I'm still here. I wasn't ugly. I didn't shake my fist at God like that. I didn't do that. I reverence God. I fear God, but I just told him how I felt. He already knew about it anyway. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Some of you need to go home and you need to write a letter to God and you just need to express your anger. I'm upset. I don't know why you allowed this. I don't know why this has happened. He already knows how you feel. And after you confess it to God, you need to get a good friend that knows how to keep their mouth shut and won't blab on Facebook your stuff. Everybody in this room needs at least, at the minimum, one person that you can trust that's going to love you unconditionally. This preacher friend of mine doesn't think any less of me today by what I told him. He just loves me unconditionally. And you need someone in your life like that. Here's the next thing you need to do if you want to be free. Release your offender. Release them. Job's friends hurt him tremendously. They betrayed him. They were disloyal. They criticized him. They misunderstood him. Job is innocent and he has every right to be resentful. So when did God speak to Job and get him out of his problem? When did he release him from his offenders? Here it is. Job 42 and 10. Check this out. After Job prayed... For his friends. Now see, in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice something for there to be worship. Check this out. 
Job was wiped out. He didn't even have an animal to sacrifice. They had to provide the animal for him to even sacrifice and worship. But God said, Job, if you'll pray for your friends, then I'll turn your captivity. Okay, this is key. If you haven't woke up, wake up on this point. You say, Pastor, how do I know I have forgiven my offender? I'm going to tell you. When you can bless your ex... And when you can bless that pastor or that authority figure or that parent, when you can bless them and mean it from your heart. God, I want you to bless them as they go into their next relationship. God, bless their business, bless their finances, bless their marriage. (laughs) That's a lie. It's easier said than done. Because you know what we want to do? God, I want to call fire down from heaven. Let's see who is right. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Doesn't mean that you've been abused. You need to go back to an abusive situation. Y'all, I need some time here. It doesn't mean you got to go back and be abused again, but it does mean you got to forgive them. Why? Why? Because here's what the Bible says. If you don't forgive your brother whom you have seen, then God will not forgive you. And here's what I know. If I keep living, I know I'm going to probably mess up again, not say it right, and I'm going to need God's forgiveness. Since I know that I'm going to need God's forgiveness, then I need to show forgiveness. And then when I start getting free from this person, I can bless them. And I'm going to tell you what else I can do. I can be in the same room with them. I watch some of y'all. Some of y'all don't even know it, but y'all, some of y'all are funny. Here's what y'all, some of y'all do. Y'all come into the church and when you see somebody you don't like, you're like, oh, praise God. Hey, sis. <laughs> you was heading to the bathroom, but you saw that person. Uh, I ain't going there. I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why you're laughing. Hey, here's, I had a, I had a, a lady, a, a person in my life. Oh my God, they just rubbed me the wrong way. I just did not like them. See, what, we, what we've done is we've done you a disservice. We've told you, come to this altar, pray, get God, and you're going to be all good. I'm going to tell you something. Forgiveness is a continual process. You've got to keep taking it to the altar. I'm so sorry. I'm so honest with you. I took one thing when I had a broken heart. I took it to the altar for 10 years before I was finally really over it. Was I saved? Sure, I was saved, but I wasn't healed. I was in the process of being healed. See, some of you can't even stand to be in the room with somebody else. How do I know that I'm healed when you can bless them, when you can pray for them, when you can be in the same room with them? How do I get there? You just keep releasing them. You just keep taking them to the altar. How long does it take? It may take you a day. It may take you 10 years. You just keep doing it. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to hurry up. Here's the last thing. Here's what you do. Is you refocus on your future. You reveal the hurt, you release the offender, and then you refocus on your future. See, some of you, I know what some of you are saying. I'm going to go back to a point. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you haven't been hurt like me. You don't know what they did. 
It's not fair for me to release them. Okay, I, I get what you're saying, but I want to come alongside you this morning. See, I believe in a heaven and I believe in a hell. And I'm going to tell you why I believe in a hell for many reasons, but here's one of them. I don't believe that Hitler gets to come and annihilate millions of Jews and then take a gun to his head and it's over. It's it. That's all there is. I don't believe that. In fact, in my Bible reading this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, it says that everybody's going to come before the judgment seat of God and give an account for the good and for the evil they've done in their life. You don't hear me talking a lot about hell because it's not a pleasant subject and I try to bring you good news. But let me tell you something. The day is coming when your offender is going to have to give an account for what they've done. And and Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and Saddam Hussein and all of these dictators and all of these perverts and molesters and child molesters, there is coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, that they're going to stand before God and have to give an account. Here's how you can release your offender, knowing that one day God's going to even the score. And so guess what? I can release you because vengeance is his and he said he will repay and he's going to do it on judgment day. And so you can just let that go because guess what? If you hang on to it, it's going to dry up your spirit. It's going to dry up your bones. You're going to be a shell of a person. You're not going to have joy. You're going to come in and just keep hearing messages and it never affects your heart because you built a wall up to your heart that says I've been hurt once. I've been hurt so deep. I don't want to ever feel that again. I get what you're saying. I've told you this many times and I keep believing it with all my heart. I believe that what helped Jesus get up that third day is because he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us are going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. That's why I'm going to be very careful with what I do and how I do it and with my words. Are y'all with me? Okay, this last point is this. You got to refocus your life. I have a friend I grew up with. I won't call his name. He's still living. He told me, he said, Wayne, I'm not going to be like my daddy. I said, okay, great. His daddy would whip up on him. He was a Christian, went to our church, beat up on him from time to time. He said, I'm not going to be like my dad. I said, okay. A couple years ago, I heard that my friend was beating up on his kids. And I hate that. Because here's what I've learned. Y'all stay with me. Here's what I've learned. You begin to resemble what you resent. I'm going to say it again. You begin to resemble what you resent. Because here's what happened. He kept focusing on what he said he didn't want instead of changing directions. And when you keep focusing on what you don't want, guess what it does? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because that's what you're focused on. So you got to get refocused on your future. Here's what I've learned. I've learned this. If you do not paint a picture of your future, that is bigger than your past, then you will always live in your yesterdays and never your tomorrows. 
And people will hold you captive because of resentment. And you're dying inside and they're out there playing golf, not even thinking about you. And when you come to church, the word can't even penetrate your heart because you said, I'll never let a woman hurt me like that again. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not careful, if you've been burned by a woman, you'll look at every woman and say, that's just. And if you've been burned by a man, you'll look at every man through those lens and say, every man ought to rot. Say, Pastor, that's a little stout. Yes, it is. But I'm going to tell you something. That's how deep bitterness and resentfulness can get into our hearts. You have to refocus on your future. How do I do that? Okay, Pastor, how do I do that? Number one, you got to get your heart right. You got to get your heart right. How do I get my heart right? You forgive them. You release them. You try not to get even with them. Here's the next thing. You reach out to God. You reach out to God. See, see, willpower only lasts 90 days. People are, are fixing to get into a gym. Uh, they're going to pay, you know, to get into the gym across the street. And they got their plan. And, and, and guess what? Come, um, huh, come January the 19th, they're going to be going, oh, I'm just too busy. And it only take three months. January 19th, they're going to be too busy. Why? Because willpower only lasts 90 days. I'm going to just keep coming to you. See, this is why everybody in this room, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because your forgiveness runs out. It's amazing to me, y'all. We're so funny. We want people to keep loving us and forgiving us our transgressions. But somebody transgressed against us about three times. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. Really? And you're a Christian and you're dead to me. You're immature. Love keeps no records of wrongs. See, this is such a high standard, y'all. You can't live this without the power of the Spirit. You can't. You can't do it. That's why I keep saying everybody in here needs the baptism of the Spirit. Why? Because you can't, your forgiveness is going to run out. You're going to kick them out and to you know where with you. That's how we feel. But God keeps coming in and saying, come on, through my spirit, you can release them. Through my power, you can forgive them. You can set them free. Refocus your life. Here's the last thing. Face the world again. Here's what it says in Job. Check this out. Well, I thought I had Bible for it. Maybe I don't. No. Face the world again. What do you mean by that? When we've been hurt, we're tempted to just back up and get into a shell. Right? But Job, what he did was, is he prayed for his friends. And when he prayed for his friends, the Bible said the captivity of Job changed. So this story ends good. It ends good because Job handled resentment right. And the Bible says this, that at the end of his life, God gave him more in the end than he did in the beginning. Why? Because Job handled resentment the right way. 
Pastor, what do I need to do? You need to reveal your hurt. Release your offender. And refocus your life back on where you want God to take you. And believe that the rest of your life is going to be the best of your life. Can I say that again? Believe that the rest of your life is going to be the best of your life. Why? Because you release it, you let it go, and you know that God's going to even the score on judgment day. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I really do believe that God brought all of us here to hear His Word this morning. I want you to know that you matter deeply to God. And God doesn't want you just to survive. God wants you to thrive. He don't want you just to exist. He wants you to live the abundant life. Say, Pastor, what do I need to do? You might need to go home and write a letter to God and just reveal your hurt. Get a good friend that won't judge you, but will listen to you and reveal it. Talk to God about it and just keep bringing it to the altar. Keep laying it at His feet. Release your offender. You may have to do it today. You may have to do it tomorrow. You may have to do it a month from now. Just keep releasing them. And then refocus your life and paint a picture of your future. That is so big. You're looking forward to tomorrow. Instead of talking about all the bad that's happened to you yesterday. Father. What a privilege it's been to bring. The word of the Lord to your people. Lord, undoubtedly, I'm not the only one dealing with some things. There's others that are dealing with some things. And I think you have given us the recipe for getting rid of resentment. Lord, help us to open up our hearts to you today. Help us to take these steps so that we can truly live the life that you want us to live. There's some people in here, they're still resenting. They're they're resenting their spouse, a former pastor, a parent, an authority figure, a friend that betrayed them, an abuser. Father, I just pray that you would melt our hearts today. As you're standing there, would you just lift up your hands and would you just ask God to melt your heart? Would you do that? As they sing, would you just ask God, God, would you melt my heart? Remelt my heart, God, of offense, of hurt. Come on. I want to release my offender. Would you melt my heart?
heart of this offense. God, would you melt my heart of this resentment, Lord? I know I'm going to need your forgiveness. I know today has been, I know it's been a little heavy. I don't apologize for that because we need true release in our spirit today. I'm going to ask these prayer elders to come and I'm going to ask them to come up to the front. They're going to turn and face you. And if you come up to this front, it doesn't mean that you're a sinner. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you want someone to agree with you. That God would begin to melt your heart and to do a work in your life. We're not here to judge you. This is the no judgment zone. We're not here to try to figure out nothing. We're here to come alongside you to pray with you. They're going to sing this again, and if you got to go, I understand. But if you want to take that step, I want you to step out of your pew, and I want you to come. And I want you to let these prayer leaders agree with you right now. Say, I just need the Lord to help me. Come on, step out by faith. In the name of Jesus, I'm ready. you. Come on, as you come, God bless you as you come.